Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Seema, and uh, super excited to be joined today by a SaaS entrepreneur and social media marketing fan uh, that I met recently at the uh, the SaaS Talk 2016 conference. Um, you know, I enjoyed our conversation, you know, so much to the extent that uh, I wanted to carry on uh, and have this, uh, you know, conversation uh, on the podcast uh, today. So welcome to the show, uh, Emmerich uh, Ernul, uh, CEO and co-founder of Agora Pulse. Thank you, Alex. I'm I'm thrilled to be here too. Hey, did I pronounce your surname right? I should have uh, I should have checked that, but uh, absolutely right. There we go. There we go. Uh, I'm I'm a pro uh, at, at uh, pronunciation, but um, yeah, no, Emmerich, uh, you you know, great to have you on the uh, on the show. Uh, I, I guess sort of you know before we go into the usual questions, uh, can I ask a sort of cheeky question? Did SaaS Doc turn your SaaS up to eleven since uh, uh, since like three weeks ago? Oh, did we enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. Did it? Uh, oh my God! Yeah, you know, you know, we enjoyed it. We've already booked our tickets for next year. So, yeah. Okay, that's uh, that, that. That's good. That's good enough. That's a straightforward but, answer. If you already bought your ticket for next year, it means that it was a great event. Yeah, no, three uh, like three hundred and forty-one days away. So uh, no, it's uh, it, it must mean that you had a good time. But uh, no, I really appreciate you. Uh, uh, you, you attending the first one and uh, you know coming back next year, but uh, um, uh, in, enough of that. So moving on, you, you know, um, we want to know a little bit more about you, about Agora Pulse, and then we're going to talk specifically, you know, around SMB SaaS um, is, is kind of the, the theme for for today. So uh, so you you know, uh, speaking with you and you know doing a bit of research, I understand that you're an ex business lawyer. Uh, also a serial startup entrepreneur. Um, you know, tell me more about, uh, you know, who is uh, Emmerich O'Neill? Yeah, it's, it's a complicated question to answer in, in, in a short amount of time, but I'm try, I'll try to go straight to the point. Uh, the, the root of my story goes back when I was um, a very young kid. I was uh, eight-year-old, and my parents took me to an iridologist. I don't know if that um, specialty rings the bell. It's someone who looks into your eye and, and apparently can you know, see things about your health and who you are and your personality. And this guy looked in my eye and with his little machine and stuff and told my parents, this, this young kid is never going to be able to work for a boss. <sighs> And he will have to own his own thing. You know, he will, he, would ha he will have to be his own boss and he will hate, you know, authority and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and <laughs> he was right. <laughs> uh, and so I, you know, continued my studies. I, I, I chose law uh, because I had no clue what I wanted to do in life when I was um, 18 and um, about to choose, you know, what, what kind of a university or school I should, mm -hmm. I should go next. And uh, in France, lawyers are independent, meaning they can have their own, their own clients, their own practice. Even if they work for a law firm, you, they can still have their own thing. So it, it did sound like cool. Law was a very interesting job, but I, I lacked the passion. Uh, and, um, and it's a difficult job, too. You work an awful lot, um, a lot of sacrifices on your personal life and stuff. And I got to a point where um, after six or seven years, being... Being pretty successful at that, at that, at that lawyer's job, um, I got to the point where I realized that, well, the next step could be I start my, you know, knowing I want to be independent and I want to have a boss and build my own thing. I either start my own firm or I go to something totally different. And then I realized that um, uh, there, was a, there were a lot of issues with service business that I was not happy with, like you're not building an asset. If you get sick, your business, no more business. Um, if you want to retire and, 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 and get something out of what you've worked for, uh, your butt off for 
for 40 years, there's nothing left. And I thought, you know, whatever choice I make, service or product, uh, I will work a lot. Um, I will make a lot of sacrifices. I will be stressed, anxious, uh, have to do my payroll every month, find new, find clients, business. And in, in, in the service industry, I will never have that feeling that I've built something uh, with, with a product uh, business. I, I, I may, if I'm successful, eventually get that feeling and, and what nailed the coffin was of the service business was um, the fact that uh, um, you, uh, you know, beyond the uh, building an asset and stuff was the fact that I was looking for freedom and independence and not be being a slave of my business. And when you're in service, you're a slave of your business, especially when you're a lawyer, uh, because people want to work with this lawyer, you know, that guy, they want to work with the famous guy or, or the experienced guy or whatever it is. Um, you can't really delegate. It's very, very difficult to delegate. Uh, when you work, when you build a product business, uh, you're a lot less, uh, um, uh, you know, indispensable to the business. At least that's what you can build. That's something you can aim for, like getting to a point where your business is self-sustaining, you have a great COO, you have a great team, you, you, know, you, you give ownership to people in your team and you can take a little step back and instead of working 15 hours a day, weekends included, taking no vacation, you can start taking some vacation and working eight hours a day and you know, having a life. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, having a life sounds like a cool goal in life, so let's try this. It is a very cool goal in life, um, uh, absolutely, I'm, I'm with you on that. And so now, uh, you are your own boss. You, you're the CEO of uh, Agora Pulse. Um, you know what? What is Agora Pulse, and and why did you found you know that particular you know product company? Should we say? So very simply put, Agora Pulse is a social media management software. Um, everybody uh, listening to the podcast probably probably knows about Hootsuite. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it's basically a software that that. Competes with uh, software like a software like Hootsuite. Um, there are, you know, a lot of different software that are called social media management software. When when you look at the self-service SMB focused uh, social media management tools, there are like four, four or five of them, uh, namely Hootsuite, Sprout Social, Buffer, and us, and then a bunch of much smaller uh, solutions that are less visible. So we we are playing in that field, which is cool. Um, the, the way the ID came to life is quite not the ideal best practice of how you should uh, pick the business you want to work in and, and the product you want to build. Um, I've always been in SaaS. I've always been in social media since 2000. So it's like a long time. Our very first SaaS product in 2000 with my co-founder and I was um, um, a tool that helps you build your own community online. It was not called social media. It was, it was called online communities at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, you know, that didn't re really work out. We had several pivots and the, the one of the pivot in 2008 and nine was um, going to Facebook because being building your own stuff, your own community didn't work. So we said, OK, let's go leverage and help people leverage the existing communities where they may already have an audience and build tools for them to grow that, nurture that, measure that and, and so on and so forth. Facebook being the big guy then. And we started there, you know, we and, and, and we started with um, a big vision that didn't really work at the time. That was CRM, very CRM oriented, you know, know your fans, who they are, what they like, or you get their email, try to match that with your email database. So it was very about um, making sure that you know your fan base 
And I, I remember the baseline on the website at the time was, and your, your Facebook fans aren't worth anything if you don't know who they are. And I was very happy about the ID because I thought it was great. The market didn't care. Uh, the only thing they wanted at the time was, you know, more fans. Uh, yeah, who they are, I don't care. Give me more. Uh, so <laughs> what we did is we built, you know, contests and promotions and apps, which was a big thing in 2009. Everybody wanted to have a contest um, on, on, on its uh, fan page, Facebook page, to get more fans. Uh, so that what we did. That's what we did, and and from there, you know, piece by piece, step by step, we pivoted several times to okay, contest and promotion is a very shitty business model because it's not you know people don't stick around, they come and they go, they 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 do their contest, their their quiz or their sweepstakes or whatever whatever that was, and and then they leave, and the business model has a very very low ceiling. Uh, so we said, okay, we have to be a tool that they use every day. So we have to provide statistics, moderation, uh, reporting, uh, team management, and all that kind of stuff. So, and we need Facebook is not enough because people were saying, oh yeah, Facebook is good, but also on Twitter, also on this, also on that. So we, from there, you know, we moved Facebook, we added Twitter, we added Instagram, Google Plus, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube's coming soon. So I, you know, building building horizontally across the, the available social networks and building vertically in the future set, like offering reporting, offering engagement, monitoring, user qualification, uh, and so on and so forth. So that's that's the story of the product. It's more. It's not like, oh, I have this, this bright idea uh, that I'm going to build this and it's going to rock and, and this is ex I know exactly the trajectory of, that we're going to take. It was, you know, step by step, piece by piece um, that we realized where we needed to go and, 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 and change a little bit every month or every quarter to go further to the direction that we wanted to go to, which is have a healthy business. And I guess the, the beauty of SaaS, right, is, is that... Uh... You, you know, every week or, you know, when you need to, you, you can add kind of features and take, you know, step by step and just, uh, I, I guess, kind of, you know, grow into uh, the, the product that you are uh, today um, uh, by taking feedback on board and, and sort of learning, you know, uh, what, what the market wants. So, uh, um, you know, it's good to see your, um, I, I guess, kind of, you know, story of how, you you know, you've been this sort of Facebook CRM platform to now this, you know, social media um, marketing uh, uh, tool uh, and platform, uh, uh, as it were, and um, you know, I couldn't. Uh, I'm sort of looking to see if you guys are taking on any any VC money, um, but uh, I, I didn't see anything sort of online. So, are, are you bootstrapped? And uh, if so, will you ever go down the the venture road? Um, if you if you look at Angelist, I think you can find a seed round that we did in 2012. Um, if you if you're talking uh, US standards, we are bootstrapped because <laughs> we took 250,000 euro of, of seed of seed money, which is not even money uh, Silicon Valley in Silicon Valley language. Yeah. Um, we 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 also got a couple of um, uh, business angel, which which all were very close friends of mine uh, in 2009, in the very very early days, you know, before we even got started with Agora Pulse. Uh, so yeah, the the you know our our big competitors, uh, Americans and Canadian, they've raised you know 75 75 million or or 260 million. So it's Compared to them, we're totally bootstrapped. Yeah, uh -huh. the, the VC route, um, and and um, it's it's one of the challenge when you address a crowded market, and especially in the SMB space, is that it's very hard to get VC money. Uh, and um, if if you know if if you can't show huge traction, 
or very healthy SaaS metrics, um, you're not going to get money. So we, we, we tried many times to get more than the 250 because it was very, very challenging with, with the super small resources that we had to build a big vision that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never, we were never, we were never able, able to, to convince them. Um, but we, we, we started again in, in the spring of this year. Uh, going back to the VC uh, uh, roadshow, trying to trying to get that VC money, and um, and we're about to get something. I can't tell you. I can't say anything because I'm NDA covered. Okay. okay. Uh, uh, but we have something in the pipe, and um, uh, the main reason why we finally got something in the pipe was the SaaS metrics. So this this they still have a hard time with SMB. They still have a hard time with crowded uh, industries. Uh, and they still have a hard time understanding why you're different, how you're going to make it. But as you can show them that with little or nothing, you build something that's significantly uh, successful and that's growing uh, very health in, in a very healthy way, then they, 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 their anxiety goes away. Say, okay, I'm, I'm not sure I understand what they're doing. I'm not sure I understand how they're going to get there. But they've already proved that they can do something pretty pretty good with, with very little so I, I can only assume that with a little more if they keep being smart <laughs> they, they, they'll get better so, so that's basically what happened so i'll um i'll, I'll keep my eye out for the uh, the 10 million series a basically we're profitable so we, yeah. we are not looking for the big round to you know yeah. to stay uh, unprofitable for another five years and just invest everything on growth that's definitely not the kind of uh, mindset we have um, we, we make profit every month uh, the only reason why we want VC funding is to get that buffer of comfort that allows us to seize opportunities and grow a little bit faster the team um, you know if we get opportunities to get three top-notch developers at once with our free cash flow we may say ah, don't feel comfortable hiring the three of them right now with 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 VC money in the bank you can say okay let's go they're great we're going to hire them no question no worries so that's that's the goal okay all right um and and now we, we've got a better uh, you know understanding background of you for guru pulse um you, you know of the I, I guess kind of you know status of uh, of funding and we'll we'll know uh, even even more soon um uh, and then just in terms of the the, the business it, it itself um so you know we we want to talk about um smb uh smb sas particularly sort of today um and uh, you you know i know that you sort of mentioned that it, it it's you know a little bit sort of peculiar um, so you, you know, before we go into the, the kind of other questions around SMB SaaS, you know, tell me what you find is is peculiar to you. Oh, I mean, if you compare SMB SaaS to enterprise SaaS, mm-hmm. every, everything is <laughs> everything is different. There's not there's there's not even something important that's 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 similar. Um, the only similarity it's software. That's that's all the similarity you'll find. Um, the structure of the team is different. You know, we don't have any sales team. Um, uh, we're SMB SaaS product are super heavy on the product because the product is really central to converting users and, and, and conveying that value proposition very quickly and getting them to the aha moment as, as fast as possible. Where with an enterprise product, you, you don't care. The product can look like shit. You still have a sales team that will guide them and they'll show them where it is and what it does and they, they will have an onboarding with trainings and stuff. So the, the quality of the product is less important. Like you look, look at Salesforce, probably the, the ugliest product on the market uh, and still the most successful one because they don't really need to be a great product. They, they, they need to have a great sales um, uh, strategy. Um, well, I 
I, to be honest with them, I think they did a revamp of the interface and now they're okay. But for years it was, it was horrendous. It was horrible. Um, you need to, you need to, you need to, to scale a lot of things in SMB that you can spend a lot of time, you know, one-on-one -on -one, manually discussions and, and in enterprise, you, you can spend a lot of time on each individual client. When you're an enterprise in SMB, you can't. So you gotta, you gotta have everything. You gotta build everything for scale for, for large, volume of people, large volume of prospects, like large volume of clients. Uh, so it's a very different mindset. Um, you know, your, your support, your customer support, your customer success has to be engineered for low touch where in enterprise you, you can, you can have, you know, much more when you're high touch, you can spend a lot more time and have people who can spend a lot more time with that. You don't need such great pro uh, processes to, to make that work. Um, funding, we talked about funding. It's much easier to raise money for an enterprise product because VC get enterprise. They get the sales process. They get the lever. Oh, we put more SDRs here and more account managers and more this and more that. And it's, it's an engine that's, it's an engine that's incredibly expensive because these people are incredibly expensive. So that's why most of them need funding, especially, uh, when they start growing. Um, but but they get it. They understand the concept, and and when they see that the 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 SDR account managers and and quota quota sales rep are are working for a business, then they they feel okay to invest in that business. For SMB and inbound and 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 low touch, it's it's more difficult because things are less mathematic in in terms of how it grows and how it works. Um, Finding your persona is much more difficult because you know you can't be super niche because if you're super niche, you, you, you most of the time are missing opportunities when you're SMB and 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 you know on a large market with a low touch product. So it's it's I'm not saying you can't you shouldn't do it. You probably should at some point, but it's much more difficult to nail the persona. Yeah, Met okay. metrics are very different too. Um, on, on on that point, on the sort of yeah. persona point, I mean, I, I I've spoken to well, I speak to a lot of a lot of SaaS founders, uh, as you know, and, and especially around the, the the SMB sort of area that because you know the market is very sort of fragmented, um, and as you say, it's very difficult to be niche when you're you're, you're SMB. That you know, finding the, the ideal cost, uh, you know, uh, customer sort of profile and persona. You know, it's something that they they challenge with, but uh, or a challenge with, but still you you know try to sort of pursue. But many of them sell to to everybody, and, and that is a is a bit of a limitation. Um, so I mean, how do you like who do you sell to? Uh, you know, how do you market your product? Do you market it to everybody? Um, you know, have you got an ideal customer profile? Yeah, we, we do. Actually, I, I listened to a podcast two days ago that had a, a great answer about on that question. Basically, um, you, you either, when you start, you either know what your ideal customer is. You already know it. Like, I don't know, for example, you're building um, a, um, a point manager for doctors. You, you know, your, your, your customer, it's SMB, your customer, customers are doctors. Or you, you're building an accounting software for mechanics or whatever. I don't know. What, you, know you, you know you're building for that segment because you know the segment, you know their needs, and you want to build a, a, a software solution for them. So that's simple. That's, that's clear. You know, you know who you're going after. Or you don't. Like you're building a project management tool or you're building a social media management tool like mine or, 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 or CRM or you know, whatever. And, and then if you're doing that, Picking a niche very early on is super dangerous and difficult because, you know, who who, what can tell you uh, you're right or wrong picking that niche? 
So what I heard in that podcast, which I love, I can't remember which one it was, but he said, you know, early on, you got to, you got to, you got to have a wide net. You got to try to catch everything you can mm -hmm. and not be too restrictive and learn from what you catch and see in within the people you caught in your nets, um, which are the ones that are paying the most, which are the one that seems to give you the best product market fit, which are, which are the one that seems to stick around, see value and learn from that. And then once you've learned from that, you can start being more specific. You can start building, you know, a website that says social media management for agencies, because for us, for example, it's 40% of our clients. Uh, social media management for you know businesses with that many people or that that kind of industry and stuff like that. But I, I remember going to Silicon Valley and uh, talking to a lot of super expert there who told me in, in two years ago, but you're not niche, you're not gonna make it because you, you've not chosen your niche. You need to dominate your niche and be the best in your niche. And at the time, I, I thought to myself, you know, how can I do that? I don't have a clue what my niche is. I don't know. You, and you can't guess that. You have to test that. And the only way to test that is go on the market and see what works and with whom it sticks. And the only way I'm able to tell you today, yes, small and medium agencies are our key target, uh, one of our key target audience, is because I have a bunch of them and I can tell you that it works. Uh, four years ago, when I got started, I had no idea that that would be the case. So it's that, that's my answer to the question: is uh, when your software can appeal to a lot of people and you're not sure to whom it should appeal, uh, it's probably not a bad idea to go ahead and launch it widely and see what you can learn from that. I wonder if it was uh, it was even uh, my podcast that you listened to. I, it, it just it rings it rings a bell with uh, John Miller of Engageo was talking about you know fishing with nets you know in the beginning and then fishing with spears you know as, as your ACV uh, sort of you know increases. But um, you know potentially it was uh, uh, it, it was another one. Um, but uh, um, yeah, no good, really really good insights there and. Um, you, you know, sort of moving, um, sort of, you know, through the questions, uh, I mean, you know, products uh, as well, you, you know, I mean, there's so many SaaS companies out there, so many SaaS tools out there, right, you, you know, uh, today. So the key to success, you know, um, that we're hearing from everybody who's at the top of their game, people like Des Trainer, you know, who uh, are even at SaaStock, you know, it's not a, another plug, but just that you know, he talked about product first companies and, you know, it was a great presentation. You know, Thomas Tungus, you know, talks about product being key um, for a successful SMB SaaS companies. And, you know, we look at the examples of those that have nailed the product Slack and Intercom, right? Two, two perfect examples of this. Um, you know, what is your views about product being key, you know, and, and if we look at Slack and Intercom, you know, what, what can we learn, you know, from them? Yeah, it's in, in SMB, it's, it's the number one um, uh, condition to success. There is no question uh, where, you know, like, like we said earlier, in enterprise, it is not. You, you, you can have not such a great product, mm -hmm. but a great sales team and a great selling system that will make you uh, succeed. Where in SMB, very low touch and self-service, if the product is not killing it and breaking legs, you know, it's not going to make it. Whatever marketing you have and content strategy and, and viral videos, you're not, you're not going to cut it because people are going to come in see a product they don't like and they don't enjoy using, and that's it, they, they're gone. Mm -hmm. um, the, the difficult thing with that, and, 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 and the more I, 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 read, I read and listen to um, what Des uh, from Intercom is saying and all the other um, uh, product um, uh, passionate like me, is it's, it's 
very impossible to to know if if your product is is great or is going to do it uh, or not, and and it's very difficult to learn from people who've made it like Slack or Intercom, because their success seems like good luck, you know, like most of the time. When you 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 ask uh, the Slack founder why he was so successful and what he attributes his success to, he says, I don't know. Mm. And that's that's the problem, uh, because there were products that were doing a, the exact same thing as Slack before Slack arrived on the market, like HipChat, it was the one we used to use before Slack. And HipChat, you look, at, you look at on paper what it does, it does exactly the same thing. There are little slight differences that wouldn't speak to anybody's, you know, to anybody's mind if you just tell them, oh yeah, Slack has a sleeker interface. Yeah, so what? Slack has an integration with the ecosystem. Yeah, why not? Yeah, HipChat has a couple of those too. And it's very difficult to really nail the, oh, if you do this, then you're gonna break, you're gonna break it. Um, as for Intercom, it's also difficult because I know Des is, is, is um, uh, very, you know, he has a very good slide that says, you know, if you want to build a cake, start with cupcakes and then expand it to a full cake, a full wedding cake, which basically means uh, start small with a small feature, addressing a small needs and grow from there and, and you know, build a scalpel, scalpel instead of building a Swiss Army knife and, and the Swiss Army knife can come later. Um, which, which is something they've done, and it's true, and it's their story. But um, uh, I, can, I also know stories of people who've tried to go very, very narrow with a very simple feature and, and who never, were never able to get that simple feature to, to be enough of a bit for a business. Um, and, and right now, Intercom is a great product. We love Intercom, but it does a lot of different things, um, and we use them, so I can, I can say that as a user. Um, and most of what they do is is not ideal. So if you take Intercom as a support software, it's not as good as Zendesk. If you take it as a emailing software, it will be not as good as you know some some software that specializes in that. So is it better? Is it not better? It works for them, but would it work for a, for a social media management tool? Maybe yes, maybe not. So it's it's very difficult to learn from their success. Uh, the only thing I learned from their success is. You gotta have a product that's uh, that's targeting a huge market, which is the case for Slack and the case for Intercom. The, the, their their markets eventually are everybody mm -hmm. uh, doing business on the internet or or doing business. Period. If it's for Slack, that's key number one. Uh, you have to get you have to get people addicted massively. You know, like a lot of people addicted to you, and you have to create the war effects very quickly. That was what we had with Intercom. The first time we used Intercom, you know, we, we, we connected and we saw our users live right there under our eyes. Oh God, look at this guy. He's, I know him. Yeah, he's online right now. And th this is an experience we never had before. And that, that turned us crazy. If you can create that very quickly, then you have a, your product stands a good chance, even if it's missing a lot of things that you can add later. These are the things that that I've I've noticed with um, that made Intercom like incredibly sticky and incredibly successful. And for Slack, probably the ecosystem. You know, the fact that it works with everything. And and, and I know they've made a lot of bet on this. Like we want Slack to be a, a, a funnel for everything else. All your communications can go through Slack, which makes a lot of things much easier and 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 uh, convenient because you don't have to move away from Slack. Everything can happen in Slack, which makes Slack pretty noisy at some point. But that's mm -hmm. a different topic. So, uh, so, so we we talked to, uh, although you talked to, you know, about sort of Intercom from a product perspective. I mean, they also do a great job on marketing, uh, you know, as well. And um, and specifically, you know, for for SMB SaaS companies, you know, mass marketing is, is something that's 
you know, seen uh, as very sort of key. Um, so is this something, um, you know, that that you uh, sort of, you know, enforce, uh, you know, are you, are you uh, sort of mass marketing uh, Agora Pulse? Uh, and if so, you know, what, what sort of campaigns, you know, prove successful, you know, for your particular use case? Oh, well, if you're targeting SMB, you need you need volume in, in, in your in your communication, in the way you can you can um, present yourself to the market. You can, you know, enterprise, you will rely on one on one sales calls and, and, and picking the right target and go against them and, 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 and close them in, in, in SMB and mass market like like us. You can't do that. Uh, the problem when you start and you don't have a lot of resources and a lot of money is, is you just can't afford that and you are not you don't ha yet have a brand that allows you to to scale that and to get that get get big. So that's why we go back to the the conversation we we had five minutes ago. The product is key because if people get to the product and love the product, then you're going to have that viral loop or viral effect, or people are going to tell their friends, or we're going to tell their friends, and so on and so forth. And during that period, the product is the number one thing. And the number two thing is you know, the customer feedback, customer discovery, customer engagement. And try, try to nail that what will help you scale when you'll be ready. Um, and we've, we've, I'm pretty darn sure uh, Intercom has done a lot of that. Uh, and we've done a lot of that too. Uh, as a CEO, I was talking to customers at least three times a day for two years. Like it was a, a, one of my key focus trying to have a very, very deep understanding. And the more you, you strengthen that understanding, the more you can do the product they really need and that really solves a problem for them, the more you amplify that you know, referral potential, word of mouth or, 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 or you know, customer advocacy, which is very, very helpful. Um, everything that's as organic is, it, is what you should invest in uh, because you basically most of the time will not succeed in paid advertising. Um, if you have a very low LTV, well, low LTV, which is anything below $2,000, um, or a low RQ, which is anything below, you know, $1,000 or $600, uh, you know, monthly recurring per client, uh, paid is very, very, very difficult to, to, to scale and to make, to, to, to have a positive ROI from. So you'll have to rely on SEO, you have to rely on content, you have to rely on referrals, uh, you have to rely on a strong inbound system, basically. And that inbound system is is made off and, and, and built uh, on top of a lot of different moving parts, product being a big one. Uh, which obviously include, you know, we'll, we'll make referrals and, and, and um, um, word of mouth, you know, part of it and work for you. Um, you, you, SEO will be important as well. You have to go very long tail. Uh, you have to create a lot of content. Uh, content has been a big one for us. It's worked very, very well. We have like 300,000 unique visitors on our, on our, on our website every month. And it's mostly because of the content. Uh, for the referral part, um, I, I spent a lot of time um, connecting and nurturing relationship with the, the influencers in my ecosystem. This, this is a very tough investment to make because it, it's super con uh, time consuming and, and expensive, you know, going, going, going to events and conferences and meeting, meeting the influencers and connecting with them, building that connection, strengthening that connection. This can take one, two, three years before the connection is strong mm -hmm. and these people are more friends than they are like bloggers that you, you're trying to get a backlink from, <laughs> which never works. Uh, but 
once you've done that consistently over a long period of time, if you have something you want to massively communicate to the market, you have your channel now. You know, you can, you can, they can help you, and 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 they will probably do if you've done your job right. So the 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 mass the 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 ability to massively um, communicate with the market is something you have to build over time, step by step, piece by piece, with a very very determinate um, uh, vision. This is where I want to go in four years. I I cannot do massive communication right now in my market because I'm too small. I don't have the money. But in four years, when I'll have my brand new super killing product that I want to promote, I want to have that tool in my in my hand. So I have to start building that tool now. So four years from now, I'll have that tool and I'll be able to do massive um, uh, massive marketing or massive actions and communications on the market. So it's the answer is it takes a lot of time to have a mass, you know, to be able to do a massive promotion, basically. Awesome. Uh, and, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you there. And, and you know, um, we, we've talked about, um, you know, Slack and Intercom, you know, two companies at the top of their game. Um, to recently, uh, I, I read an article uh, about MailChimp um, uh, that kind of proved, uh, well, or definitely proved that you can be hugely successful selling to SMBs only, uh, and also, you, you know, uh, by being sort of, you know, bootstrapped uh, in SMB only, is they I think they disclosed um, their revenues for the first time that um, you know they're on track to hit around sort of 400 million, um, you know, annual revenue in in 2016, which is a pretty good business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, are, are they? Uh, the exception rather than the rule, though. Do you do you think um, your uh, is is I guess sort of question one uh, and and question two. You know what have they done right? Um, or, I mean, I don't know how much you you sort of follow Mailchimp, but uh, or even sort of use the product. But what do you think is right about them you, that uh, that's enabled them to succeed and get to this four hundred million uh, sort of figure? Um, you know, perhaps it's a bit of everything that we've spoken about. But just interested in your uh, insights on that. Yeah, I mean, they they are an exception because a business that a SaaS business that gets to four uh, four hundred million dollars of annual revenue is an exception. You know, the percentage of business that that go that far, any any industry, B two C, B two B, enterprise, SMB, whatever, this is a very small percentage of business that that are lucky enough or or, or successful enough to to get to that point. Uh, now, if you look at uh, SMB versus enterprise. I think you know there's there there's you can you can be successful in enterprise you can be successful in SMB it's great that Mailchimp is achieving those those kind of figures because it shows people that yeah it works too even if the churn is higher even if the market is more difficult to reach even if all these roadblocks that VCs will throw at you if you're in, in SaaS SMB you can still make it and Mailchimp is an example constant contact that was at I think 300 million too uh, when they got bought for one billion dollars um, a couple of months ago is also another example in the exact same space, uh, email marketing. So it, it's 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 feasible. And then and there are probably a lot of enterprise um, uh, SaaS companies that would dream of getting to 400 million a year. Um, it's just it's just different. It, it takes different paths and different routes to get there if you're SMB or enterprise. Uh, what Mailchimp has done right, I think that the the, the, well, the product they've done right. The, everybody knowing Mailchimp know that they've done the product right. There's no question to that. Uh, I think the freemium for them has been a killer. 
um, to to have high and quick penetration on a large market with a low touch uh, sales model, um, uh, freemium if it can work for you, if it's not something that can kill you, which, so be careful about that, ask, ask yourself the question, is a good tool, it, it works pretty well. Uh, it has worked well for them, it has worked well for others, it, it, it is working well for Slack. Um, so I think that was a very, very good, um, very, very good uh, call on their side. Um, and the branding, I think the, their their brand is great. I mean, their their tone of voice, their vis, their the visual, the the chimp, you know, every the monkey, everything is everything is done right. I don't know how they how they've done it. Probably it was probably a lot of work. But when you look at the brand, you there's nothing wrong with that brand. It, it's just it, it it's just fluid. I don't know what you think, but uh, that's my that's my um, that's yeah. My view. Well, I mean, they've they've I think obviously they've got one of the strongest brands in, in my opinion. You, you know, in the in the software market, it, it's one. Uh, if somebody said to me, you know, name you know three top brands in in SaaS, you just instantly recognize the chimp, right? And uh, that that will come straight to the top. And uh, yeah, I mean they've done some great campaigns as, as well. So um, uh, they've killed it on uh, you, you know on the marketing side. So uh, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean it, it's great to hear that you know as as a bootstrap business and as a SaaS business that you know. Uh, that sells to SMBs only. So that they, they've they've you know got to 400 million annual revenue. Um, so uh, I guess sort of you know congratulations to them. And and they're not you know also you know they're not based in Silicon Valley. You know they they've kind of stayed where they are. Um, so it's kind of good to hear. Uh, this is it's not always the the kind of typical story that's you know coming from you know TechCrunch or uh, you, you know others kind of tech publications. Um, so uh, if we, we move on um, from that, we, we've just got sort of the two more questions uh, now and, and sort of, you know, more back to uh, back to you sort of personally and Agora Pulse um, rather than uh, sort of, you know, looking at uh, other SaaS companies as examples. Um, so I, I want to know, uh, and hopefully the, the, the listeners do too, you know, uh, what are any mistakes that you've made? Uh, that you're happy to share, uh, you know, so that other founders listening, you know, can avoid. Sure. Um, so mistakes with an S, right? Because I've done, yeah. I've done many, <laughs> many of them. Uh, well, I think the on, on the high level perspective, one of the mistakes that I've made that has cost me the most was uh, trying a bad idea for too long. Um, which is also a, a very difficult mistake to avoid because you're always, you know, your heart always balanced between trying something bad for too long or not trying enough something that could become good if you work hard enough on it and for long enough so you 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 never you know you have to find where the cursor is 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 you know like the don't give up versus the, the kill it before it, it kills you um when you're working on a business and it's it's hard to say is it a year is it six months is it two years you you, you actually don't know and you can't know you have to figure it out on your own uh, but I definitely did work for too long on a project that had no future. Um, the problem is I did know it had no future for too long. That's what made uh, me make that, that mistake. Uh, so, you know, try to see when you need to kill an idea. Uh, not too early, but there is a point where if it's dragging you down, um, it's better to kill it than, than to, keep at, to keep working on it. On the more, you know, tactical... Um, um, a specific mistake, I would say one of the things I've done, and I think it was not a very good use of the money. It's not a big mistake because it's only about money and it, it didn't kill me. So that's okay. But it's like sponsoring 
uh, spending a lot of sponsor money very early on when you don't have a lot of money uh, is probably not necessary. It's not bad, but it's not going to help you. You know, I remember paying uh, um, 20k for a conference in in the US um, and 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 hoping that I would get my money back in a way or another, and you never really get your money back unless you're sponsoring SaaS Talk because there <laughs> you're, you're talking to your audience, which which is a little bit different. It's it's. High end, you know, one client at Sastock can get, get your booth paid for the entire year. But I was selling a, a, a software at, you know, 29 a month, 49 a month. You know, having a booth in a conference is never going to be ROI positive with that kind of price point. So it, it was, it was, um, it was not a um, something I would do again. I would go to the conference my on my on my own and build a network and meet people, but I would probably not have a booth. Um, um, I, I will go back with the booth when I'm big enough and rich enough and where, you know, doing great branding at a conference makes sense for my brand and, 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 and for the budget I have. But very early on when I was just burning money and, and not paying myself, uh, spending 20K on a conference was not a, was not a, a, um, a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good save there. And, uh, and also, no, it's, it's great that you're kind of open and yep. honest about these, uh, these things. So the final question, you, you know, what, uh, what's next for Agora Pulse? Uh, I mean, apart from the, the 10 million Series A, um, what, 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 what's, what's happening uh, in the near future? Um, well, being an incumbent and being uh, a, a small guy in a big player's market, um, one of the one of the key to success to to succeed for us is to be different. Is to is to have some level of differentiation that makes the product, the brand, the team, you know, look like oh, these guys are look a lot different than those other big guys or bigger guys. Um, and on the product side, we're really really working hard on 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 the. UI UX on the one hand and the feature set on the other hand to just, you know, n- not just copy what the other guys do and, and we don't do, uh, but, but and maybe sometimes we leave that aside and say, we'll do that later. Yeah, we don't do Twitter list. Yeah, I know the other guys do. We should do it. But our Twitter list going to change uh, the way we are perceived and the value we offer? No. But this big thing that nobody else does and we think could add value um, uh, would make a difference. So let's do that. So that's how you, you know, that's how I look at priorities and, and, and our roadmap. And one of the big, big thing uh, we 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 have in we we've had in mind since we started that business. And remember when I told you the first baseline on a website was uh, your fans aren't worth anything if you don't know who they are. Is is um, user qualification in social media? Because right now when you're um, Responding to tweets or Facebook comments or private messages on your social on your social profiles or using a tool like ours, you basically have, don't know who they are. You you have very very little information about those people. You you maybe they're clients, but you don't know. Maybe they're prospects, but you don't know. Maybe they're influential bloggers, but it's hard to find out. And uh, we we've started to R and D a lot on that and and work a lot on that to to build a system where you can actually know who they are. You can actually score them. You can actually get information that's valuable that allows you to give them a value. You know, to say, oh, this guy is valuable for my brand. I'm going to spend 15 minutes on that tweet or that comments because I know this guy is important. And if I can build a meaningful relationship with this person. It will not be a waste of time. Where right now, you never know. So if you spend 15 minutes on a tweet, there are 90% chances that you're wasting your time. So that's one of the big things we're, we're, we're working on and we'll be um, uh, releasing over the coming months. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the main thing. There are a lot of other small things, but they are not worth uh, our time today. 
Okay, awesome. Well, uh, Emmerich, I mean, we've, we've come to the end of the show now. You know, it's been um, you know a pleasure to to have you on as a guest and to to speak to you again, and uh, you know, for you to, to to give these fantastic sort of insights into uh, you, your business, and and to have this conversation around SMB SaaS. So hopefully, um, you you know that's sort of you know packed full of learning for for those that are listening and are particularly interested in, in in that space. So you know, thanks for your time uh, for being on the uh, on the show today. Well, I, I had a ton of other, other uh, topics and advice, but obviously we are constrained by time. Um, if people want to ask more and get more and, and, and ask questions and, and pick my brain, um, I'm always happy to share what I've learned. How can they reach you? Uh, via, via email or Twitter? Or Yeah, they can, they can, they can use Twitter. I'm at E-E-R-N-O-U-L-T on Twitter. Um, but it's, it's probably more easier to um, go to my website and use my contact form on my website and say, attention to Emmerich and ask the question. I'll get back to you. Um, it will go to Intercom and I'll get back to you. Uh, with great pleasure. Okay, good stuff. All right, well, thanks again. And, and for those that are listening, um, you know, if you like this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, we'd appreciate if you rate uh, uh, and review us. And, uh, and we'll see you next time.